This evening's scripture reading will be read from James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Good evening and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence. We're always thankful for the opportunity to be together. We are very thankful for those who are visiting. As always, we encourage you to come back and be with us. It might be that you're looking for a church home and we would invite you to consider the work here. We have been blessed to have a number of people over the past few months to place membership with us and begin working with us. And it might be that you are looking for a church home to get involved with and become active and we would love to have you do that with us. I know that the elders would be more than happy to answer any questions that you might have and so if you would seek one of them out they would be happy to meet with you and talk to you. We're always glad for the opportunity to be together to worship God and tonight as we look at James chapter 1 we're going to be looking at verses 2 through 4 And we're going to be talking about the theme, learning to handle the trials of life. James makes an interesting statement in verse 2 when he said, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And I guess the question that might be asked, how do we respond in the face of adversity? How do we react when the trials and tribulations of life come our way? Is it possible that the difficulties that we face here on planet Earth can be used to our benefit? Can we learn from the trials and the tribulations of life? As we think about that question, I want us to look at verse 2, and the first thing that I want to call your attention to is the diversity of trials. And what we're talking about here is the fact that trials literally come in many shapes and forms. And so there are a variety of trials that we can experience here on earth. As we think about the numerous trials that come our way from day to day, I want to begin by suggesting that there is what I would call the probability of trials. In Job 14, verse 1, Job said, Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. The question is not if we will face trials, but really the question is when. Trials, adversities, difficulties, they come. And the reason is because we live in a world that is subjected to trials to human suffering. And many people in our world today, they have difficulty understanding why we face troubles here on earth. And there are a lot of people that have difficulty making the correlation or understanding why a gracious, loving God could allow us to suffer here on planet earth. And that in and of itself is a lesson. But nonetheless, we live in a world that is subjected to human suffering. And human suffering made its entrance into the world as a result of sin back in Genesis chapter 3. Let's just think for a moment or two about 
some of the trials that we may face in this life. The first, I guess, trial that I would call attention to are the various diseases that we are faced with here on earth. We talked today about cancer, heart disease, and those are just two of the more prominent diseases that people sometimes grapple with. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 20, we read about a lady who had been grappling with a blood disease for some 12 years. I have had the opportunity to visit with people that have experienced and are experiencing chronic pain. And this lady, she had been dealing with something for a period of 12 years and no doubt her condition had worsened. And many times individuals, when they begin dealing with disease, they understand that those diseases, they progressively grow worse. Well, this was a lady that had been dealing with an issue for some 12 years, and over a period of time, human suffering can literally take a toil on our mental disposition. And this lady sought out Jesus. She wanted to be healed. And then I think about the various disabilities that we are confronted with in our world today. Again, in Matthew, in chapter nine, in verse two, we read about an individual who is described by Matthew as a paralytic. There are people in our world today that are unable to walk. They are unable to move their bodily limbs, some legs, some arms, some both. Some because of that kind of disability are on a ventilator, unable to breathe on their own. Well. Here we read, we read of an individual who was paralyzed. And then in that same chapter, we read about the blind. There are a lot of things that, to me, would be difficult to deal with. Paralysis, that would be extremely difficult. Because most of us, we like to go where we want to go. We like to do what we want to do. But coupled with that, the disability of blindness. Again, in Matthew chapter nine, we read about an individual that was blind and cried out to Jesus. And then in that same chapter, down in verse 32, we read about an individual who was demon-possessed. But Matthew tells us not only was this individual demon-possessed, but he was a mute, unable to speak. There are some today who are unable to hear or speak. And so those are terrible disabilities, and those are just a few of the, dis of the disabilities that people encounter on planet Earth. A third, I guess, problem, trial that we sometimes face in this life, financial loss or financial reversal. Let me give you insight into a man that was very wealthy and literally lost everything over a very short span of time. His name was Job. In Job chapter 1 at verse 3, the Bible tells us that Job was the greatest of those who lived in the east. But listen, if you would, to his financial portfolio. The text tells us that he had 7,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep. He also had 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 
500 female camels. And then the text tells us a very large household. We would conclude that Job was a wealthy man and yet what happened? He lost all of that, didn't he? So those of us who, who live here on earth, we can suffer like Job, financial losses. And I suspect that when you look back over time, you will see, you will hear and read of any number of individuals who at one time were literally on top of the world, financially speaking, only to lose everything. A fourth trial or problem that we can face, our own mortality. One of the most sobering things that I believe that you and I are confronted with in this life is the fact that we're not going to be here forever. In 2 Kings chapter 20, we read about a man by the name of Hezekiah. And the Bible tells us that Isaiah the prophet was called upon to go and to tell this great king to set his house in order because God said you will die and not live. How do you like to hear those words? Well, in short order, Hezekiah came face to face with his own mortality. There are people this year, they're going to hear some sobering news from their physician. Some are going to be told they have a terminal illness, a terminal disease. We said a week or so ago that there are a lot of people that were present here on earth when we rang in 2011, but they're not here today. Because you see, they came face to face with their own mortality. And so life is very brief. Again, we think about the words of Job. Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. You and I one day, we, we too will experience what Hezekiah did. We'll come face to face with our mortality. A fifth trial that I would call attention to is persecution. When you look at the first century church, you'll find that many of the people who lived in that era, they were persecuted for righteousness sake, as Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Peter, in his short epistle, speaks of those who were undergoing various trials in chapter 1 at verse 6. They were besieged by any number of trials. Well, trials and tribulations are not uncommon to our faith. In Acts chapter 15, verse 26, we read of Paul and Barnabas, and they were missionaries together. They were traveling companions. And the Bible says that these men risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They literally put their lives on the line for their faith in the Lord. And those are just two men that you could read about in Scripture. And there are some today that are facing persecution because of what they believe because of what they stand for. And if the world continues to stand, those of us who live in this nation, we too may face greater persecution for what we believe in, for what we advocate. And I would say that we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. We need to, I think, take to heart the words of Peter in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, when he said, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. And then there's a sixth 
trial that I would call attention to, and that is death. I said a moment ago that we are going to be faced with our own mortality, and with that comes death. But there are times when we lose those who are near and dear to us. We experience the loss of a child, a grandchild, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, a classmate. Death is a common part of life, sadly. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this cometh the judgment. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, we read about a ruler that came to Jesus and said, my daughter has just died. There are a lot of people that have experienced the loss of a loved one, some this week. Over the past year, I have been honored to conduct a number of funerals. And I suspect that if the Lord allows me to live over the next year, over the next few months, I will have the opportunity, the privilege to conduct more funerals. And the reason is because death is a part of life. So we talk about the diversity of trials, the variation of trials that we're confronted with here on planet Earth. But now I want you to think with me in the second place of the development that can come through trials. Let me just ask this question. Is there some form of intrinsic value in suffering? Now, sometimes we might respond by saying no. And I think the immediate response on the part of many would be, I can't see any value in facing the trials, the tribulations, the problems of life. But listen again to what James said in chapter 1, verse 2. He's writing to Christians, and so he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various or manifold trials, knowing that the testing or trying of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. There are really two possibilities when we think about the problems that come our way here on earth. And we talk about the development that can come through the trials of life, the, the value of experiencing hardships in life. Let me, let me begin by saying that the first possibility is that trials can sink your faith. And by that, I mean trials can break your faith. If you don't believe that, look around. There are people that at one time had been faithful members of the body of Christ, and they're no longer with us. And the reason is because they allowed the trials, the difficulties, the encumbrances of life to destroy their faith in the Lord. Sometimes individuals will ask the question, and it is a haunting question, why? Why do I have to face this difficulty? Why do I have to face this particular trial in my life? And quite frankly, there are a lot of 
there are a lot of questions that we have that I personally, personally can't answer. I remember many years ago being called to a lady's home. It was early one Saturday morning, a lady called and said her father had just been killed in an automobile accident. When I, along with the other preacher, arrived at her home, she was hysterical. And I remember the older preacher saying to this lady, there's no need to ask why. A lot of times we want to know why. Well, there may be a number of reasons that we could give as to the why of suffering. As I said a moment ago, we live in a world that is replete with human suffering. We live in a world where we have the ability to make choices, and sometimes those choices are good, sometimes they're bad. When we make bad choices, there are consequences, and sometimes the consequences of our choices affect other people. And so there are a lot of reasons as to why we suffer. Trials can be demoralizing, discouraging. I understand what it's like to experience troubles. Maybe I can't empathize with you fully in the trials or the difficulties that you're facing in this life. Were Job alive today, I don't think that I could fully understand or comprehend what that man went through. I think about a man that lost everything that he had, financially speaking, in many respects. The Bible says not only did he suffer financial loss, but he also suffered the loss of his family. He had seven sons and three daughters and buried all of them. That's hard to imagine. In my own family, I remember... Well, I think about an example from my own family. When my dad was a baby, his mother died of TB. His brother died shortly before his own mother died. I remember visiting the cemetery on one occasion. I never knew my, my grandmother, my biological grandmother. She died in the 30s. But I did have the opportunity to know my grandfather. And as I stood over the graves of my uncle, who died at the age of 15, and my grandmother, who was a young lady when she died, I thought about what it must have been like for my grandfather to make that track out to the cemetery, first to bury a son and then to bury his wife. Those things can be hard to deal with. And so... I understand trials can get you down. Trials can be demoralizing. They can weigh heavily on our hearts. But we need not allow the trials of life to sink our faith, to destroy our faith, as some have done in the past. There's a second possibility, and that is trials can strengthen our faith. Really, we're talking about Opposite ends of the spectrum. On the one hand, you have those who allow the trials of life to break their faith. And then on the other hand, you have those who allow the trials of life to strengthen or build their faith. And that's what I mean by allowing the trials of life to develop our faith. 
Now, having said that, listen again to what James said. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I think James is saying here, there is a positive benefit to the trials of life. Maybe we don't see it initially. Maybe we have difficulty seeing, as we say, the silver lining in the problems that we're experiencing. But James is saying there is a benefit, a value to the trials of life. What we have to do sometimes is step back, take a, take a deep breath, and maybe think long and hard about what we're experiencing in life. Let me just give you three byproducts of human suffering or trials. Number one, James tells us that the trials of life can produce patience. Now Paul would say in Romans chapter five at verse three, tribulation produces, some translations say perseverance. Others say patience. But listen again to what James said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing or trying of your faith produces patience. And then listen to this. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. One of the byproducts, according to, to James, of the trials of life is patience. Now, I'm not sure that we can develop. I'm not sure that, well, let me just back up and say this. There may be a lot of ways that we can develop patience in life. But James is saying here that one of the byproducts of human suffering is patience. In other words, we learn to deal with things. We learn to take things one day at a time. You remember what Jesus said, take no thought for the morrow? Solomon said in the long ago, who knows what a day may bring may bring forth. And so, developing patience, and patience is not something that comes naturally to many of us. And yet, over a period of time, when we grapple with things, when we deal with the trials and the tribulations and, and the problems of life, we learn to patiently endure these things. And there are a couple of words in the New Testament that I think correlate to this idea. And that is, as we run the Christian race, in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer talks about running with patience or running with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We have to have an enduring spirit, a persevering spirit, a patient spirit. There's a second byproduct to the trials of life, and that is the trials of life can lead us to greater dependence in the Lord. Sometimes when we are at our lowest in life, we see the need for God. Many of us have heard, we've heard the old statement that you have to hit rock bottom before you can, be, you can begin climbing up. Well, look at the life of Paul. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 talked about how there had been given unto him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. 
He said, lest I be exalted above measure. And the reason that thorn in the flesh was given unto him, because of the abundance of revelations that he had received from the Lord. And so Paul said in that context that he besought the Lord, prayed to the Lord three times that God would remove that thorn in the flesh. He did what many of us would do. And that is we pray. He prayed. We pray. Why? Because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God has the ability to operate in our lives here on planet Earth. So Paul prayed to God. How did God respond? Did God say yes or did he say no? God said no, didn't he? God said, my strength, or rather my grace, is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. I think what, what God was saying to Paul is, look, Paul, you need to learn to trust in me more fully. When we experience the trials, the tribulations, the problems of life, is it not the case that we develop greater dependence on the Lord? There are a lot of people in our world today, they have the idea that they have literally pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps. And there are some that have the mistaken notion they don't need God, they don't need God's people, they don't need the church, they don't need anybody. But then let the trials and the tribulations of life come. Jesus talks about the wise and foolish builders in Matthew chapter 7. He talks about the rains descending, the floods coming, and the winds blowing. And for many of us, the rains have come, the floodwaters have risen, the winds have blown. How did we deal with the troubles of life? Well, we turned to God, didn't we? You remember the song we sang a moment ago, Does Jesus Care? And the response is, oh yes, I know he cares. Peter said, casting all your care on him. Sometimes individuals, because of the problems and complexities of life, they will seek out counselors. They will turn to psychologists. Some will turn to psychiatrists. And yet, the Bible assures us we have a loving God in heaven who is concerned about us, who cares for us, and who wants us to turn to him in time of need. The Hebrew writer said, Therefore let us draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so the trials of life can lead us to greater dependence on the Lord. I think about the words of Job in Job 13, verse 15. Job has been besieged by a mountain of problems. He's got three friends that are trying to, to give him a variety of reasons as to why he's undergoing all of these problems. And bear in mind that Job's own wife has said, curse God and die. But here's what Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Learning to trust in the Lord and making sure that, that, that we develop a sense of dependence on the Lord. Then there is a third, I think, byproduct from the trials and the tribulations of life. And that is, they can enable us to see what is really important in life. It's sad that sometimes it takes problems and trials and tribulations to help crystallize what's really important, to bring clarity to life. There are a lot of people, they can't make a distinction between that which is temporal or transitory and that which is eternal. 
When you face the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties of life, one of the things that, that, will, that will grow out of that is you will be able to see very clearly what's important and what's not important. I know of a lady that has lost three children. She's had a lot of health problems herself. And she made the statement on one occasion that, and I think what she was really saying is she had, she had come to learn what's really important in life. Some of the things that she had been so concerned about and some of the things that she had really fretted and worried about weren't that big of a deal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about the sufferings of this present age. He talks about our light affliction, which is but for a moment. But then in verse 18 of chapter 4, he said, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, the things which are not seen are eternal. Understanding what's really important in life. Listen very carefully. One day this world's gonna, it's gonna be over, it's gonna be done with. One day our lives will be over and done with. And yes, it's true, we face trials and troubles and tribulations here on this earth. But I can promise you that the things that we experience here on planet earth, however bad they may be, as Paul said, are not worthy to be compared to the glories that shall be revealed in usward in Romans 8, verse 18. And Paul there was talking about the sufferings of this present world. You better believe there are problems in this world. You better believe that you and I are confronted with them, with them on a daily basis. So, the two possibilities. The trials of life can either sink our faith or strengthen our faith. Thirdly, let's think about determination in trials, developing our faith through trials and then determination in trials. And this really has to do with the victory that we can experience over the trials of life. When we talk about determination, what I think about is mustering the courage to fight onward, having the strength to go, to go on even though We've had setbacks. Even though we've had trials, even though things haven't been what we maybe thought they would be. First of all, let me call attention to a couple of people that from my vantage point held on during the trials of life. I've already talked about Job. It's interesting to me that James in this book lends insight into the spirit of Job. As a matter of fact, he said, you have heard of the patience or perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that he is very compassionate and merciful. In chapter five, verse 11. James here is bringing to mind the difficulties of this great patriarch from the past. And he's simply saying that Job persevered. Look at, look at the depth of problems that Job 
was confronted with in this life. Read the book of Job. The more you read it, the more you'll come to appreciate this man. And I believe the more you'll come to admire the fact that he held on despite the difficulties he faced. A second would be David. David is oftentimes referred to as a man after God's own heart. And David had a lot of great, he had a, a lot of great virtues in his life. David was king over Israel. David, as you well know, succeeded King Saul. And David was literally hounded by Saul. Saul tried to kill him. He stayed in hot pursuit of him. And then a little bit later, what happened? But David's own son, Absalom, turned against him, tried to subvert the kingdom from him. Well, how did David... How did he deal with the problems and trials and tribulations of life? I believe that David held on. In Psalm 56 at verse 9, listen to what David said. This I know, God is for me. That doesn't sound like a loser to me. That doesn't sound like somebody who's just given up, thrown in the towel, walked away. But rather that sounds like somebody who has confidence and trust in Almighty God, who persevered. And then in Psalm 55 verse 22 David again said, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. I believe that David was a good man and he persevered. Now what about the promise to those of us who hold on through the trials of life? Listen if you would to what is said in verse 12 of chapter 1 in the book of James. James said, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been proved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. What do you think James is saying here? He's saying that if we hold on and go on, go on despite the outward trials of life, whatever they may be, however difficult the situation may be, the depth of the problems that we experience, whatever it may be, the blessed person, the person who enjoys the blessings of Almighty God, that's the individual that has withstood. That's the person that has endured, has persevered. What's the promise? The crown of life. We're not promised a rose garden here on earth. Sometimes we have good days, sometimes we have bad days. Sometimes things go our way, sometimes things don't go our way. What we have to have is the resolve to persevere, to endure, to see it through to the end. Why is that? Because as James said, the bottom line is we have at stake eternity. We don't want to throw in the towel. We don't want to give up. We don't want to walk away from our faith. We want to dig in our heels. We want to resolve to be faithful until death. Come what may, as we say sometimes. So, in closing, can we learn from the trials of life? I think the answer is absolutely. We talk about the University of Hard Knocks. One of the best ways to learn is experience. I'm not saying that every experience is pleasant, but I do believe that we can learn from the trials of life. And as James said, blessed is that man that endures temptation, endures those outward trials of life. Yes, the inward trials are temptations as well. 
the promise is that we have the hope of heaven. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. One of the things that comes to my mind is life is tough. It's very difficult. I can't imagine not having the Lord on my side. When we face the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations in this life, there are a lot of people that are going through life unaided. They don't have the privilege of prayer. They don't have the Lord promising to stand with them. But you and I as children of God, we have that promise. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We can turn to him in prayer. We can ask for strength. We can ask for courage. We can ask that he will help us through the dark days of life. So if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, why not become a child of God? There are a lot of great reasons why you need to become a, a child of God, but one reason you need to become a child of God is because it's tough making it in the world without, without the Lord. Here's what you need to do. You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess the name of Christ before others, Matthew 10, 32. And then be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 2, 38. If you'll do that, the Lord will add you to the church and you'll enjoy all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1, 3. And you'll have the promise of life eternal, Titus 1, 2. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, our plea to you, come home. Maybe your life's not what it ought to be. And so you need to get back on track. Could we pray with you and for you? Maybe your life is filled with problems and trials. The beauty of Christianity is we can pray with you and for you. Because you see, as brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul said we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Would you come as we stand and sing?